Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Zaren. What's up, Elizabeth? Nothing much. Uh, you know what's ridiculous? Yes, stop right there. Oh. I do. Yeah. Okay. Global warming climate change is not good, right? No. Okay. But this will sound crazy, but just wait. Stick with me. <laughs> what if it's not all bad? Uh-huh. Wild cat. <laughs> okay. What I'm saying is, look, hear me out. Okay. You know how sea ice is melting and polar bears live on ice floes? Yeah. Okay. And you know how, like, as the ice melts, they've had to move inland so they don't drown? Yeah. Right? And that's bad. Right. Yeah. But they, once they got inland, they started bumping into like grizzly bears and being mammals. Well, they started like getting busy with grizzly bears. Right. So now there's this new half polar bear, half grizzly bear species that's being created. Do you know what they call them? Oh, no. Pizzly bears. Piz- <laughs> <laughs> now I really want to see a pizzly bear. <laughs> they also some scientists hearing how silly that sounds. Uh-huh. They prefer to call them zebra bears, which makes no sense. No. Or the other one is grizzlar bears, which just sounds like you're trying to prove a point. <laughs> or that you just, like, you didn't speak, cri- I like a grizzlar bear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Want a grizzlar bear, please? <laughs> Large grizzlar bear to go. I like pizzly bears. Totally. That's Isn't that adorable. Fun? He's like, oh, I mean, it's, it's bear. actually heartbreaking, but. But there you go. Adorable. See, silver lining in heartbreaking the heartbreak. Heartbreaking and adorable. <laughs> that is ridiculous. You, you want to know what else is ridiculous? I'm here for it. Faking your death to become a swinging bachelor, living the wildlife in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, until you said Omaha, I thought this was me. Hey, no offense, Omaha. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Zarin. You can't prove that. We've had a guy uh, disappear and resurface on here before. Yes. Uh, what was his name? Don LaRose. Yes. Don LaRose. Mayor he, Don LaRose. He ran off. R-U-N-N-O-F-T. He became a radio DJ mm-hmm. and the mayor. The he was mayor. a popular mayor guy. Mayor Don LaRose. 
And if you want to believe in happy endings, we can say <laughs> that, that maybe Bum Fardo ran off and is living his best life somewhere. Yeah, sure. I, I'm not that much. Hey, of we love you, Bum. <laughs> yeah. Fly go, high with the bomb. Eagles. Never stop stopping. <laughs> K-I-T. Too good to be forgotten. Have a great summer. Well, Champ, I got another one for you. Yeah. I love when you call me Champ. This guy. Uh-huh. I mean, this guy. This What's guy over here. His name? Yes. Lawrence Joseph Bader. Ah. L.J. Bader. Okay. Larry Joe Bader. Larry Joe, my dude. The Bader. LJ. When was he born, you must be wondering. I was. I was about to ask that. Zarin, was this man born, Elizabeth? Zarin, he, he was born. <laughs> okay, when? And that happened December 2nd, 1926. Ah, Where did this happen? Probably near his mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Adjacent to her. Akron, Ohio. Ah. His dad was a big wig in town. I don't think he wore a wig, but he was a big wig. <laughs> okay. He was a dentist. Oh, back in the day, that was a big wig. You can call him Dr. Bader. Uh, if I ever met him, I would. You know what his first name was? Bob, Bob Bader. Darth. <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Um, so he was actually one of the leading dentists in Akron, Ohio. Dr. Darth Bader. Darth Bader. BDS. Um, the whole Bader family was well-respected okay. in the community. That's a lot of pressure to be from a straight-laced, well-known family. Like, what if you don't fit in? And that's a lot of clout for cleaning teeth. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's that. Um, but if you don't fit that's kind of what happened to Larry Joe. Yeah, I bet. He dropped out of high school and he joined the Navy in 1944. Okay. I mean, that was the time to do it, though, right? <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Well, I mean, it was kind of wartime. Well, no, I'm saying, not... like, he gets swept up in the excitement. I would have done it in 48. That's when <laughs> no. I would have joined. But it's like, it's so exciting as a sense of duty. Yeah, I, I totally know. He's like growing yes. a victory guard. That is the time if you're going to join. You want to yeah, join the, just the, fill, when we won the it. good war. Exactly. So he served two years and then he returned to Akron and graduated from high school. Whew. Okay. Way to go. Uh, he good then, him. He enrolled at the University of Akron. Uh, he made it through one semester and then he flunked out. Okay. That's kind of hard to do. Is it? Well, they don't, don't they usually give you like a semester to turn it around, like right the ship? Well, it depends on what you mean by flunked out. Sometimes like your parents say like you're coming home and that's what no, they call flunked out. No, he flunked out. out. So they said your grades are so bad, you're... I thought that they gave you time to fix it. Yeah, that's what they did for me my first semester. Yeah, well, I can definitely say for me, that they definitely give you like, hey, look, man, you don't seem to realize where you are. You're in college. Right. So I'm like, and oh. Like, you know, figure this out. Yeah. Get some good grades for once. It, it was a disaster for me, but, it, you know, it wound up not being so much of a disaster for Lawrence. Um, he dropped out of school, uh-huh. and he got a job at a campus restaurant. Okay, so he still wanted to be part of campus life. Why yeah, not? exactly. But his college instructors remembered him. Uh-huh. Um, they said that he always had some new money-making scheme, but it would never pan out. Maybe that's how he flunked out. Maybe. He got caught in the dorms but doing here's something. The thing. It's like one thing for high school teachers to be aware of students having schemes and machinations. Oh, yeah, totally. But it's another for your college professors to notice. They barely notice the students sometimes. Right. It's the University of Akron. It's yeah. not a small school. No, and they got a lot of students to keep track of. So if you're only there for one semester, and in that time, they, multiple ones uh-huh. of them all remember you as a well, scammer. They said, they said one of the reasons that he fell behind on his grades was because he spent so much time running a small hamburger stand that he had set up across the street from the school. <laughs> what? He's like taking a test. Hold on, I'll be right back. I got like four customers. So he's got like his own little wimpy stand. And he's just sitting there <laughs> yeah. like dishing out burgers. Yeah, he wears the little paper hat. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, it, I mean, it makes sense that he bailed on school to go work in a restaurant. Sure. But I, I don't think they had hospitality degrees then. Um, <laughs> but during this time, he met his first wife, Mary Lou Knapp. And okay. on April 19th, 1952, they were married. That's what people did back so then. So happy for them. Good job. In 1957, they had three kids, a fourth on the way. They lived in the West Hills. Wait, they near- had three kids in one year? That's a lot of kids, Elizabeth. 52, they were married. <laughs> Open your ears. 
You said they had three kids in, in 1957. They had three kids. Oh, I'll... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's right there. So they lived, <laughs> they lived in the West Hills neighborhood of Akron. Larry was described by his friend mm-hmm. to United Press International as a, quote, red-blooded, beer-drinking, all-around nice guy who could talk your ear off and you'd love to sit and listen. He was a family man, too. <laughs> he was just like salt of the earth. He was also an excellent archer. Huh. He uh, won a tri-state archery contest. Yeah, look at that. He loved to do weird things to shock his friends. Like what, you ask? Like what, Elizabeth? Like devouring a chicken whole, bones and all. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to need you to back he that just, up again. He would just he would just be running a scene on the Costco deli set. <laughs> I want to know how. I mean, let's just stop for a second. Is he like breaking the bones, sucking out the marrow? And well, just like... I mean, I'm going to presume it's cooked. Let's I would say hope it so, is. yeah. So he goes and he gets a rotisserie chicken. Okay. Gathers his friends around. Uh-huh. I have to assume there's alcohol involved. He's like, hey, guys, you want to see a show? Well, he, like, takes the chicken from the paper wrapping. Like, I imagine. Uh-huh. I don't know how he did it. Please. Well, how do you imagine I it? imagined he shoves his fist in the cavity. <laughs> and then he just God. starts going to town on it like it's a candy apple. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, he's eating can- all corn that, on All that jubbly juice from the skin in the bottom tumbles down his chin and his arm. He's just spinning it on his hand. Uh, I should have made this into the picture. Anyway, um, he's just like tearing into it. His friends look on in horror. And by friends, I mean a pack of stray dogs in an alley. Um, <laughs> like he's crushing the bones, grinding them down to swallow them. Shard of chicken leg bone pokes through his esophagus and out the skin on his neck. He's sweating. I mean, come on. Naturally. I mean, this is his an effort. friends are crying. <laughs> he eats so fast and so hard, he almost takes off one of his fingers. That's how I like to picture it. Pee <laughs> blooms across the front of his pants. So he's not taking bathroom breaks? No. <laughs> Pushing through uh, it like say, it's a I marathon. I mean, he's doing this in like less than five. Five minutes. Yeah, in oh, my mind. This is wow, fast. Wow, speedy. Okay, I got you. He gets to the very last joint at the end of the chicken leg. He swallows, burps. Throws his head back and howls. Championship energy. His friends just run for their lives. Yeah. <laughs> so Larry did weird stuff. Yes, I got you. Like going to town on a whole chicken. That's Andre the Giant kind of behavior. Oh, hell yeah. Just wrecking shop. Anyway, he gets a job not as a at a carnival sideshow, mm-hmm. um, but as a cookware salesman for Reynolds Metals Corporation. Oh, like Reynolds rep. Yeah, that's sweet Reynolds rep, baby. All good right. stuff. Um, he was making good money. Okay. He brought home $10,000 a year. And that's the equivalent of $107,000 today. So you good money then. Yeah. yeah. There's no way a cookware salesman could make that today. And that's what's wrong with America's Aaron. <laughs> Got to stand up for the cookware <laughs> exactly. salespeople of the world. So despite bringing home significant cabbage, it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of household bills. He had a car payment. And he had to pay the interest on a $17,000 mortgage. Hmm. So when, he, when I take a step back, like imagine, like we're almost to double his salary for the cost of the home, right? Yeah. It's a 17000 more, let's say twenty. Mm-hmm. So if we today take your salary, double it, and imagine that's what your house would be worth? I couldn't get anything. It doesn't operate like that. No, anymore. I get like a car. I think <laughs> I wouldn't get that. Um, he tried to save money. He clipped coupons. He bought bargain brand goods. Mm-hmm. He did, And then he also just didn't file his income tax returns ah. between 1952 and 1957. Mm-hmm. That's one way to save. That's a way to save. You know, pinch pennies. But also, well, yeah. In 1957, he was $20,000 in debt. So that's like 215000 today. Damn. He couldn't even pay the milkman. <laughs> yeah, they stopped, they stopped delivering the milk. That's a sad moment. Kid, when the milkman like, looks at your house and has to this go This keeps going, and then past. the kids like run out in the back and milk an alley cat for sustenance. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Why'd you do it with your hands? <laughs> why, did, why did you have to act it out? 
Little little teeth. You're milking squeeze, a little. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm never freaking again. Forget got that. Tiny hands. That's oh why yeah, no, it's use, there. That's it's, why we use child labor, Aaron. It's burned in, Elizabeth. Yeah. Anyway, May 15, <laughs> 1957. Larry uh-huh. Lawrence. He's 30 years old at the time. Bader. He packed his car with fishing gear, and he told Mary Lou he was going to go look into some bad checks he'd been dealing with. Farewell, Mary Lou. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then maybe he's going to go fishing. Okay. Uh, you know, he's like, people, I can't pay anyone because people are writing me bad checks. That's the problem, Mary That's Lou. That's totally the problem. It was a beautiful day when he left, but the news said a storm was coming. Uh, Mary Lou pointed this out to him. Like, maybe fishing isn't the best choice right now. Nah, Larry tells her. I might go and I might not. Who knows? You know, he's breezy. <laughs> I'm a carefree man, Mary Lou. So off he goes. Bader cashed a check for $400, which is about $4,300 today. Wow. Used it to pay a few bills. Including one quarterly life insurance premium. Okay. Got to make sure that's taken care of. He had almost $40,000 in life insurance. That's like a $430,000 today. Okay, wow. Um, He'd recently upgraded the policy clause in case of accidental death. Hmm. How recently? Just within like weeks? (laughs) Five minutes before. He rented a boat at Eddie's Boathouse at the Rocky River near Cleveland. Nice. Crazy Eddie's. Crazy Eddie's. The best deals on the river. Lawrence Cutler, uh, who ran the place, told Larry not to go out because of the impending storm. Lawrence Cutler, who runs Eddie's. Okay. Yeah. These aren't important names. Yeah. Uh, No, said Larry. No. 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 Bad, bad, down. Stomped his foot. I got a fish. (laughs) He wanted to be a carp-dressed man, Aaron. I got to be free. He was feeling crappy. He wanted to call himself a man of steel head. He wanted to get, he wanted wall-to-walleye action. <laughs> he was going to, he wanted to walk Pike, an Egyptian. Oh, <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put down a baseline for this. Wait, a bass line. Darn. <laughs> well, he did promise he'd be back before dark. Okay. So he looked at Kotler and he pulled out a large roll of cash, mm-hmm. peeled off $15 to pay for the deposit. Then he asked um, for a set of running lights to be installed on the boat. Okay. I'll be back before dark, but just put some bunch of lights on here. Just in case. Real you quick, know. like. So, Kotler's like, you know what? It's going to be dark in four hours. And that's when the storm's supposed to hit. Um, please, Larry, Lawrence, Mr. Bader. LJ. Do not go out there. Uh, Larry goes. 4.30 in the evening, off he goes. He headed out on the 4.30 rocky- in the evening. Yeah. Great time, yeah, Larry. Great time LJ. To go with a storm coming. So he goes out on the Rocky River toward Lake Erie in a 14-foot boat with a small outboard motor and a prayer. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> As Larry motored away, Kotler noticed that among, like, his fishing gear, he sees a small suitcase. Wait, what? Yeah. Let's take a break. Why does Darth Vader Jr. need a small <laughs> suitcase to go fishing? Well, we come back, we'll learn more about this mysterious fishing trip. Deal. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. 
That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages, they starved us, they beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zarin. Yes, welcome. Elizabeth. I've decided I'm going to start pronouncing bass fish as bass fish. Okay, you like that? Yeah. Just run, run with it. Well, and then I'm going to go become like an expert bass fisherwoman <laughs> and enter a contest and win like the world grand prize, all while mispronouncing the word. <laughs> I'm really good at that. <laughs> anyway, bass champion. Bass, bass champion. Uh, Larry the chicken pounding impromptu fisherman. Did, wait, didn't, weren't you sponsored by Bass Pro? <laughs> bass Pro Shop? Yeah, did you... Hey, can you tell me how to get to Base Pro Shop? <laughs> I love that. I'm just going to drive people nuts. Uh, May 15th, 1957. Yes. That's where we were. Lawrence Joseph Bader mm-hmm. just rented a fishing boat just ahead of nightfall, just ahead of a large storm. So after the sun went down, the Coast Guard spotted Larry out on Lake Erie. Hmm. And they're like, hey, psst, buddy, get over here. There's a storm coming. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Let's, we'll escort you back to shore. He's, you know, Larry with a live chicken dangling him out of his mouth. <laughs> he refuses him. He's like, no, I'm good. Come on, good. Leave I got me lunch. Alone. I'm good. Leave me alone. So mind your own business. The next morning, the boat was discovered washed ashore on the rocks of Perkins Beach, which is about six miles away from where he started. That's 5.2 nautical miles. Okay. Uh, there's a, There was just a little damage to the boat, a scratch on the hull, a bent propeller, an oar was missing. But no Larry. Chicken feathers everywhere. <laughs> no Larry. <gasps> no Larry. <laughs> so the Coast Guard towed the boat back to Cotler at Eddie's boathouse. Uh-huh. Cotler took a look at it, and he's wondering if the $15 deposit is going to cover these damages. But then he noticed something, something very wrong. Hmm. The gas line had been disconnected. And hmm. according to Cutler, quote, 
Gas lines do not accidentally become disconnected. This is very true. This is very true. And they also don't disconnect themselves. No. Your honor. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> the Coast Guard said the water had been so rough during the storm that no man could have survived falling overboard. The life jacket was still in the boat. Hmm. So was his fishing gear. But there was no baiter and there was no small suitcase. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. So it appeared to Cutler and the investigators that the boat hadn't capsized during Bader's adventure. There's no evidence of that. Yeah. And everyone was puzzled as to how someone so athletic and powerful a swimmer as Bader could have been separated from the boat and taken the suitcase. Maybe it fell over. <laughs> Who knows? Some thought that maybe Bader had been hijacked and robbed. With you his know. suitcase. Well, like the, the the scourge of Lake Erie pirates. Ah, of course. You know about that. The dread them. pirate Sandusky sailing <laughs> out of Toledo. <laughs> Hiding out in one of the Canadian sides, two bird name points. They have Peacock Point, Turkey Point. Uh-huh. Nothing came of no? this. Okay. Listen, the Google Street View investigations I did <laughs> yes. found lots of cool places along the Canadian shore of Lake Erie, by the way. Dude, that's a good part of the world, actually. Kind of picturesque. It's gorgeous. My work here is mm-hmm. brought to you courtesy of newspapers.com. Uh-huh. Still looking for that sponsorship that includes a cool <laughs> logo bomber jacket and Google Street View. Yeah, that is true. Those are all the things you talk about. That's all I have in my life. Anyway, the search for Larry Bader went on for two months. Okay. They just stood out on the shore with their hand over their eyes. Do you see him? Nope. Nope. Do you see him? Nope. Nope. Let's check again in 10 hours. After Bader disappeared, his father had this to say to the police searching for him. Quote, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about this that stinks. Stinks. You made him sound extra weird. I I like that. It was good. (laughs) Well, it's Dr. Bader. Um, In 1960, three years after his disappearance, he was declared dead. Okay. Mary Lou petitioned to make that so. So now she's a widow. She's a widow with four children and a monthly Social Security payment. And those checks weren't as much as they should have been because Bader had those income tax issues. Oh. So the IRS garnished some of the checks to pay down the debt. The good news for the widow Bader was that the one bill her late husband always made sure to pay was the life insurance policy. But was she the beneficiary? Yes, she got a pretty good good chunk of change from that. So meanwhile, back in 1957, just a few days after Lawrence Bader disappeared, a newcomer arrived in Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) Now, Omaha is 740 miles west of the Rocky River, by the way, Zarin. Okay, I'm keep that in mind, 740 miles. So a guy walked into the round table bar looking for a bartending job. He said he'd been in the Navy for the last 14 years, and he was discharged because he had a bad back. Mm. Um, I have to say that if you have a bad back, bartending is not for you. Yeah, a lot of lifting and bending. Oh, standing, lifting, twisting, Mm -hmm. you know. Weird weights to carry. Liquid is always weird to carry. You're covered in liquid. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) whatever. Uh, So covered in liquid. (laughs) The stranger, he Uh had a pencil mustache like John Waters. Get out, really? Yeah, and a Boston accent. Wait, that's not an Elizabeth detail? That's not an Elizabeth. That's a real thing. He had a little pencil mustache. That's his disguise? Is I'm going to grow a pencil thin (laughs) mustache and go on the lamp? Oh, mustache. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Boston accent. So he's like, I just went and parked my car. (laughs) In the Harvard yard. Um, All he had with him was a small suitcase, Uh a Navy sea bag, and a bartender's guide. And a dream. So as he's like walking the 740 miles, he picks up the the bartender's guide. Um, A woman named Betty was working at the bar that evening Mm -hmm. when the stranger appeared. This is what she said about it. Quote, he was fascinating. Debonair, well-dressed, and not broke. He asked me out. 
<laughs> it's the pencil thing. He's got thin everything mustache. going for him. Fascinating, debonair, well dressed, not broke. Not broke. There these, it is. These are the top four. So two days later, he lands a job. He started bartending at Ross's Steakhouse. This place was the steakhouse in Omaha. Oh, you're telling me, sister. That's saying a lot. Yeah. An Omaha steakhouse? Bruce Chris can blow. This place is the jam. <laughs> Esquire magazine once called it the king of Omaha steakhouses. Yeah, and there's a Omaha steakhouse place. And you know, they call themselves the king, and they're right. like, we're not the no, king. No, Ross's. It was owned by Ross Lorello. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opened it in 1956, so it was sort of new on the scene when the stranger arrived. The Lorello family actually shut it down in 1996 rather than selling it out of the family. Ah, respect. So it's just a legend at this point. Oh, for real. I do like that. There's a great ad for the place that I found online. It (laughs) reads, Ross's has purchased the Axar Bend 4-H Grand Champion Beef six times in recent years. Ross's Steakhouse is famous, that's all caps, uh, for serving the ultimate and exquisite cuisine, including Omaha's finest steaks, chicken, sea, food, Italian fare. Seafood's too weird. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to need you to read that all again. No. Just, I, that was a lot of fun. Can <laughs> so we just do good. that all again from the top? Do you know, they also had a, a place in the restaurant called the Cleopatra Piano Lounge. Oh, my God. Saucy. Are you serious? Yeah. The Cleopa- and, like, meet me in the Cleopatra yeah, Piano Lounge. The 1950s Omaha Steakhouse, the Cleopatra Piano, la- Piano Lounge. <laughs> it's just melting my face thinking about it. Back to the stranger. <laughs> no, so, I want to stay there for a second. <laughs> I want to be in the Cleopatra Lounge. All right, go uh, on. As he tended bar, yes. he would tell stories about how he grew up in an orphanage in Boston. Mm. He was one of 22 orphans there. And apparently, according to him, everyone there was named John Johnson. Because he couldn't remember anything and he didn't want to do that goodwill hunting where he has to remember all the <laughs> uh-huh. names. Yeah, it's John, uh-huh. Johnson. John Johnson. It's like the George Foreman totally. uh, <laughs> orphanage. There's like one nun who just knew a guy back in the day and <laughs> so all John- the kids are You're John Johnson. You're John Johnson. Well, this John Johnson was given the nickname Fritz. You mean John Johnson? <laughs> Little Fritzy. Fritz, I like that. Uh, he joined the Navy. He said he joined the Navy at 17, uh-huh. and he served in World War II in the Korean War. Thank you for your service, <laughs> even if it's fake. Um, and he was hospitalized for a back injury in 57 uh, after before being officially uh, discharged. So now here he is slinging gimlets and old fashions with the smell of seared beef in the air. Here he is. <laughs> mm. Pretty soon, Fritz was a local celebrity to raise money for polio. He uh, like fighting polio, not like encouraging oh, to polio. Encourage. I thought he was supporting polio. He's like it's a like, pro polio guy. I want everyone to have polio. He's one of the rare people who was He's fighting like for herd polio. Immunity. I want everyone to get <laughs> it. Like... So I'm raising money. So he raised money to fight polio, uh, or just polio awareness. You know those aware. What's up with an awareness campaign? Like don't, I'm aware don't get of me it. Started. I know. Uh, let's do something about it. Yeah. My awareness doesn't help. Anyway, um, he competed in a flagpole sitting contest. Yes. I love that. That used to be a thing. Like, you'd sit at the top of a flagpole, and I guess, like, people would make a pledge to donate a certain amount for every yeah, for how hour, long you day, stay up whatever there. you're there. It's like loading uh, college kids in a, in a phone booth. Yes. It's like, how many can yes. you get in there? Yes. He sat on a flagpole for 30 days. What? 30 days. If he would have done that like 100 years earlier, they would have called him a saint. (laughs) Or a witch. Uh, 30 days, Zarin. Has September. Uh, (laughs) April, May, and November? (laughs) While he was up there, his friends would send up milk bottles twice Uh a day. And you know what was in those milk bottles? Chocolate. Martinis. No, I was close. <laughs> Which I mean, like, I guess that means just like... So he's just getting liquored on top of the flagpole? vodka and a splash of vermouth. Like, just send him up vodka bottles. <laughs> well, it's heavier. There's just like a like one olive floating in it. Anyway. I like that they're just making drinks at the bottom of the flagpole and sending <laughs> them up. up. When he came down from the pole after mm-hmm. a month, he was working the poles, Aaron. <laughs> um, he had a long beard and it took him a while to get used to walking again. I bet. 
Where did he go to the bathroom? Down the pole. Yeah, did it just, just slide, slide down slide the right pole? Down. Gravity took care of it. <laughs> or He's they, like, he got... held it in and they had to hospitalize him. <laughs> um, so he got down from the pole. He doesn't have a bedpan. He has a flagpole. He says, like, a balloon. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he drops some on people. <laughs> Bums out. That is so gross. Um, <laughs> so he got down from the pole. And then he has, like, a... You're going to go on with this. Okay. Uh-huh. a balloon in a funnel. Um, so he... <laughs> So he gets down from the pole, he uh-huh. hobbles around, uh-huh. and then they push him into a convertible stuffed with bodacious babes, and he was escorted away to a parade. Wait, are you kidding me? Like a ticker day? Yeah, ticker they're like, hooray, you sat up there for a month. Way to go. yourself. You really helped the fight Woo! for polio, from against a, polio. From an orphanage of full, full of John Johnsons to this. Oh, man. Started yeah. at the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> so he had other jobs through the years beyond bartending. No. He got a job in radio, like Don LaRose. No. And he became a disc jockey. For a local radio show on AM station KBON. Just like Willie Nelson. KBON. By the way, the call letters KBON have subsequently been assigned to a Cajun radio station in Louisiana. KBON? KBON. Come on. I like that. Uh, he also got a gig as the sports director for um, television station KETV. KETV, Omaha's favorite news source. It feels like that's missing a letter. I know that it's KETV, <laughs> K- it's four K-D- letters, but it just sounds like it's missing a letter. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, go on. He wasn't just behind the scenes there, though. He made announcements on air. On air talent. Yeah. Fritz was basically the most popular, most flamboyant citizen in Omaha. So he's going as Fritz at this point with the pencil-thin mustache, just swanning around being like, Omaha, just enjoy. Yes. Feast in in. He he had this swinging bachelor pad. Uh Uh, It was filled with dozens of pillows, but no furniture. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. He is so 50s dream life. Yes. He hosted wild champagne parties. Yeah. Like right there in the pillows. Yes. <laughs> Messy. Uh, he kept tropical fish as pets. Of course. Yeah. He have Irish poets as he, best friends. He had. They were Siamese fighting fish. Oh. Who eventually ate each other. This is amazing. <laughs> so he's like swanning around town. He wore a leather beret. Of course. Isn't that amazing? He was a real ladies' man. Totally. Does he have like a sidecar motorcycle? Probably. No. You're gonna hear what he has. Oh. Okay. Um, he said that he dated every beautiful girl he met. <laughs> so he's like, you, you're going out on would a date. Nice would they say the same thing? <laughs> Probably not. Um, okay, so you wanted to know about his transportation situation. Yeah, what's his ride? He bought a hearse <laughs> from an undertaker in Kansas for 150 bucks. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Hold on. So he and a friend customized it with a wrought iron table, uh-huh. a coffee bar, Pillows, of course, uh-huh. and a Buddha statue incense burner. So is John Waters just doing an impression of <laughs> this man? So. I think we found the John wonder. Waters source material. He was <laughs> so. like a boy in the 50s, right? He <laughs> yes. saw this guy like in the it. news. He's like, I want that life, but I'll make films. His, the city licensed the hearse as a, quote, hunting vehicle. What? This is so Austin like, Powers. Totally. Like, oh, yeah, he's on the prowl. <laughs> um, one day, he vehicle. told everyone that he decided to take up archery. Uh-huh. And he thought it would be like a good way to strengthen up his back muscles. Oh, he hasn't shown. He, nobody knows he's an archery yeah. champion. Okay. So, like, look, I want to get into fighting shape. Yeah, I want to try this new thing. Five weeks later, uh-huh. he won the Nebraska State Championship. <laughs> so he's just all, hey, I don't know. I guess I'm really slug. good at this, huh? <laughs> he loved to be the life of the party and amuse his friends. Okay. Um, one day they're all hanging out. I'm going to assume like in the pillow pile at Shea Fritz. And he's like juggling circus monkeys. Oh, yeah. No, he reaches over, uh-huh. pulls out an entire chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and he ate it bones and all. Get out. He's God. back, baby. <laughs> Living his best life. Too bad, so sad, Mary Lou. Um, <laughs> you never appreciated it, Mary Lou. 
<laughs> Even though he ate chickens whole, uh-huh. probably uh, while lying on the ground so everyone could watch the chicken move through his digestive system like a snake devouring a small child. Oh, oh my God. Shirtless. So the grease runs through the fur on his chest. <laughs> and you just see, you see the chicken moving along his body. <laughs> just undulating through. Even though he drove around in a hearse yes. that was repurposed as a love den. I'm picturing it's like painted purple or something. Yeah, probably. And even though he won archery championships after just learning the way of the bow, <laughs> uh, no one thought he was a show off or a braggart. What? He's quoted as... In the Midwest? Yeah. He is wow. quoted as one saying, all my life I've had people tell me what to do. In the Navy, in the orphanage. Well... Now I'm going to do what I like to do. We hear this come up a lot. Yeah, right? He avoided using his last name, Johnson. Um, <laughs> all his bills were made out simply to Fritz. Just care of the just city. Fritz, yeah. Just Omaha Fritz. And that's also how he signed everything. Just Fritz. Um, he never dated his checks. He would fill in the dateline with the season. Spring, summer, winter, fall. That works. Well, the tellers at the bank would call him a couple days prior to the seasons changing and remind him of that impending change like hey fritz beep, boop, 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 beep. <laughs> so they're fritz hello <laughs> they get him on the phone fritz is that you yes. it's gonna be summer tomorrow he's all thanks <laughs> 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 um he oh, even man. though he's like a big local media guy uh-huh. he made it a point to never watch the news or read papers I, I, I'm, so I'm learning just, that he may be right about this. Oh, I'm going to adopt this in my new policy. It's very tempting. <laughs> just willful ignorance. <laughs> he came across as really carefree and happy. Uh-huh. People loved him. See, he, I'm telling you, this is the oh, way. Oh, yeah, no, I'm everyone finding. loves him. He's just oblivious and happy, and he was fun to be around. He's just a child in an adult's body. And people would come to him for guidance when they were having a tough time. Oh, he's the village idiot. Well, this No, this is what a friend said. The only time I ever saw him depressed were when his friends were in a jam. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's just so like, he's like the guy who's just like uh, Chance the Gardener, you know, the. He's the, a holy fool. A holy fool, thank yeah. you. More so than a village idiot, a holy fool. Yeah. Uh, another thing he hated more than the news was the institution of marriage. Oh. Huh. And his roommate is quoted as saying, he was death on it. Whenever people told him he was getting married, he would exclaim, oh, you fool, you fool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> When we come back from this break, I'll tell you about Fritzy and his stance on marriage. Oh. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Fritz. Yeah. Fritz. My dude, Bader. Mystery, Omaha, beatnik, raising hell, and eyebrows. I love that Omaha loves this beatnik with the pencil-thin mustache yeah. just going around going, oh, come just over like to my furnitureless home. Embodying and... late 50s, early 60s Nebraska, quite frankly. <laughs> just, it just is blowing my mind. Like, I have family in the Midwest, and they don't come have, this kind of behavior. I have friends from Nebraska, from Omaha. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a tall grass, kids cut kind of culture. Uh-huh. He thought people who got married were idiots. Okay. So in 1961, he married Nancy Zimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Just to prove the point. He's like, watch how bad this is. (laughs) A 21-year-old photographer's model, Dave Orsay. Now watch what happens to the man you all love. Watch as I am broken by this institution. (laughs) She's from Chicago. Okay. Um, this is what a friend of his said. So she was a divorcee like he is a, well, it wasn't yeah, a divorcee. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, don't give yeah. me the expose. Exactly. <laughs> um, quote, we really kidded him about it, but he didn't say anything at all. He just smiled. So when people are like, oh, you said you're an idiot to get married. So, yeah. Mm, grin. Okay. So she's. And then probably a little. <laughs> she wealthy? No, she was a model. Huh. So maybe act- she maybe she got money in a divorce. Oh, okay, but he's not Who's marrying her uh, uh, no, for no, money, no. obviously. No, I mean because. she's a little bit younger than he is, but well, I kind of guessed that part. Know. You said the model and all well, that. Nancy. Um, he adopted uh, her daughter. Okay. Uh, from a previous marriage, two years later, the couple had a son of their own. So hmm. he's just building this family. Good. good Along with working at KETV, he also got a part time job as an advisor to archery companies. Because he's a state champion. Yeah. Oh, he's a total champ. In 1964, a malignant tumor was discovered behind his left eye. And he lost the eye Hmm. and had to wear an eye patch, which only made him look cooler. Totally just cultivates more of his image. So now he's got the mustache, the eye patch. He's mysterious. Wow. 
Zarin. Yeah. Close your eyes. Oh, yes. I want you to picture it. My eyes closed. It's February 2nd, 1965. You are at a sports sales convention at McCormick Place in Chicago. Hi, guys. You've come from Akron, Ohio to check out the sports show. You own a sporting goods store, and you're really interested to see what new products you could stock for your customers. You know, you've got them in mind. The convention hall is packed. People stroll from booth to booth, chattering over the easy listening, playing over the speakers. You walk past a booth where a guy is bouncing a basketball, waxing on about the superior new materials in the thing. At the next booth, two young women play ping pong while a salesman lists the benefits of having table tennis for America's youth. You reach the end of the row of booths, and you're now standing in front of a large display area. Hmm. There's a wall of hay bales with a bullseye target on it, and a man standing in position with his bow drawn, arrow aimed. You think adding archery equipment to your store might be a good idea, so you step closer. The man releases his arrow from the taut bowstring, and it whizzes to the target. Dead center. Bullseye. The crowd responds with polite applause. What's remarkable is that the guy wears an eye patch. You marvel at his depth perception in the face of ocular limitation. You look at the face of the man holding the bow as the sales rep for the archery company details the features in their equipment. You can't put your finger on it, but the guy looks familiar. You stare and stare, and then the guy lets out a chuckle, and you see that familiar grin. Hmm. You look again just to be sure, and then you dart off to the bank of payphones in the lobby. You fish a bunch of change from your pocket and pour it into the phone. You dial a number. It rings. You wait. A woman answers. Suzanne, you say. You've called your friend Suzanne Pika. She lives here in Chicago, but she's originally from Akron. You tell Suzanne you think you've seen her missing uncle, Lawrence Bader. You ask her to come down to the show. She says she's on her way. A little while later, Suzanne arrives. She looks at Fritz and asks, Pardon me, but aren't you my uncle, Larry Bader, who disappeared seven years ago? (laughs) Fritz just laughed it off. No way, he said. I don't know what you're talking about. Suzanne knew he was lying. She knew her own kin. So she ran out to the lobby and called two more people, John and Dick Bader, Larry's brothers. Yes. They immediately boarded a private plane from Akron to Chicago. Remember, the family was well-known in town. I'm guessing they have have that cavity cash. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to guess that this happened in the morning and that the brothers were able to arrive that afternoon. It's not far, but it's like, yeah. Yeah, the little skipper. Um, Otherwise, I can't believe that Fritz would stick around for day two of the event after possibly Mm -hmm. being made. Anyway, John and Dick, they take one look at Larry slash Fritz, and they said it was without a doubt their missing brother. Oh, yeah, you'd know your brother. Yeah. Fritz still refuses to admit it. He said he had (laughs) never even been to Akron. Had no idea who these men were claiming to be his brother. So um, to let them know that they were making a mistake, he said, you know what? I'm going to go with you. Fingerprint me. Let's go to the police station. Wow. Yeah. So the police took his prints. The cops sent the prints to the FBI. The FBI compared them to prints on file with the Navy and the prints matched. This ding dong. Why would he? (laughs) So the next day. I was assuming there was going to be something he had done to falsify the record. Nope. The next day, Chicago Police Lieutenant um, Emil Geis called Uh Fritz and said, the prints I took off your fingers and the fingerprints of the missing Larry Bader are identical. Either you are or this is something from outer space or beyond. (laughs) You know, those are your choices. It's like you. It's either this or a ghost. Well, for him, it's like you're either him or aliens. Exactly. Someone. I have to respect that logic. <laughs> exactly. So Fritz, now confirmed as being the missing, presumed dead Bader, said of this moment, quote, It was like a physical shock, 
Up until that moment, I had no doubt that I was not Larry Bader. But when I heard that, it was like a door had slammed and someone had hit me in the face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not buying it, bro. Well, Bader would spend the next 10 days under medical observation run by a special team of psychologists and neurologists. Uh, He hired a lawyer. The lawyer advised him to say that he had recently had a tumor removed, and maybe that had an impact on his memory. Good. But, like, that was recent. Yeah, and, I, yeah. I think the doctors could probably backtrack and be like, that wouldn't have been yeah. there. Yeah, anyway. Fitz, Fritz slash Bader um, at one point was put under hypnosis, but he was so worked up that the investigators decided not to use sodium pentanol uh, truth yeah. serum uh-huh, on him. Uh-huh. So it was determined that there was, quote, no indication that Mr. Johnson has any recollection of his life as Larry Bader, nor did we find any neurotic or psychotic tendencies to explain this loss of memory. Hypnotism only works if you want it to work. Right. It's not something that, like, you can just automatically yeah. hypnotize a person against their will. It's literally they hand their will over to you. Exactly. If you don't hand it over. And he, I don't know what's going on with him, but either way, so they, they figure out. He's a out, willful man. I, would, I know that you couldn't hypnotize me unless, <laughs> I mean, honestly, people have tried and been yeah. like, it ain't going to work. I don't believe in it. Not that I don't believe that it can happen. I believe it can happen. And I believe that you can't hypnotize me. And as long mm-hmm. as I believe that, it won't work. I believe this dude. Well, the he, th- because they decided that there's nothing wrong with his brain, there's nothing wrong with him mm-hmm. psychologically, um, but he's just, he obviously doesn't remember this. They didn't charge him with fraud or bigamy. How? Isn't that unreal? Well, I mean, I thinking too, like the, you know, uh, getting the life insurance all paid the up. The insurance in the suitcase? You can't pay for milk. but The suitcase. Yeah. So uh, the, he had this doctor who said of his reinvention of a life, quote, it could be a mixture of some hysterical reaction or unconscious wish fulfillment. He remembered. Give me a break. I'm sorry. I'm just silently rolling my eyes over here. (laughs) Well, whether Bader had some medical condition or was just an amazing liar, Mm -hmm. people wanted their money back. I bet they did. So there was Eddie's Boathouse, which wanted money for the damages incurred to the boat he rented seven years ago. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. A rental boathouse is going to get its (laughs) money. They're going to get their money. Uh, There was Social Security. They wanted its $254 a month back. All right. There was the insurance company that paid out his, quote, widow to the tune of almost $40,000. Oh, another company that's going to get his Uh money back. And he had another inevitable, the IRS. He had unpaid taxes. Then there was his marriage. (laughs) Yeah. Once his declaration of death was reversed, he was once again married to Mary Lou. Sucks to be you, Mary Lou. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Mary Lou and all of this. So she started dating someone after he disappeared. Mm -hmm. She was a really strict Catholic. She could only remarry as a widow, not a divorcee. Um, and that's why she had the whole declared dead thing. Yeah. So she got she got remarried. She had just married her beau when Bader surfaced. Of course. That's poor girl. I know. So now she's married to Larry again. So now she's got to get it annulled or uh-huh. something? So this is what she said to the Akron Beacon Journal. The news was, quote, like shell shock. And, quote, I haven't been able to think clearly since then. Yeah, now she's the one who could have sort of an actual reaction. So she she's still married to Larry. Mm-hmm. Her, her current marriage is voided. Mm-hmm. And because she's Catholic... She can't get a divorce. And I assume her husband's Catholic, so he may not be cool with all this. Right. So she's poor Mary Lou. Yeah. Uh, friends uh, from Fritz's past life as Bader thought maybe he just wanted, like, a change. In Omaha, his, you know, um, friends were TV personalities. Oh, yeah, the friends of Fritz? Barflies, models, PR men, free spirits, yeah, right? You know, exactly. nonconformists. Back in Akron, 
His friends were ultra-conservative, content conformists, mm-hmm. except for when they watched him put the herd on an entire chicken. <laughs> Can I circle back to that again? Yes, please do. I'm still having problems with it. It's oh, mainly, I haven't forgotten it. Like, it's the eating of the bones. That's the that part that sticks in my yeah, mind. It makes me think of a disobedient dog. Okay, that's not what I picture, but go on. <laughs> well, anyway. No, how do you picture a disobedient <laughs> well, dog? Well, it's just like, you know, when like dogs grab food off a counter sure. and then you can't get it away from uh-huh. them and they just start eating that's it. That's how you imagine he was eating? Yeah. Okay, cool. He climbed up onto a counter. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting for the chicken. He's Fritzy the chicken appreciator. <laughs> He's running around the backyard eating it. <laughs> the chicken appreciator has entered the chat. Um, a friend of his was quoted as saying, in our group, if anyone had done some of the things Fritz Johnson did, the flagpole, the hearse, why, no one would have even talked to you. So those, like, the friends back home. Yeah, are, so I, can, I yeah. get why he left. I get why he faked it. I, but yeah. I don't get why he tried to pull the two dumb moves of being like, I'm not that guy, to his own brothers, then being like, you don't believe me? Fingerprint, fingerprint me. me. Well, and and then, I think that's actually kind of genius, though, is if why? you know you're caught, be like, fingerprint me, and then you can be like, ah, something happened, I don't know. But if you try and avoid it, then it's like you have knowledge of the fact that you're lying. Well, okay. You know the actor Richard Harris? Yes. Okay. So one time, he, he was a known drinker, and he was out with Peter O'Toole, and he went out uh, on a bad bender, right? Like, he flew to a different country, got drunk, stayed there for like a month. He's married, right? <laughs> uh-huh. His wife is worried to hell. Doesn't know where he is. He's not contacting her, right? Doesn't say anything to her. His wife, mind you, by the way, is named Elizabeth at this time. Uh-huh. So poor Elizabeth is all worried about Richard Harris. And then finally, he decides all sober up after this month-long drinking, like, I'd have to go see my rugby team type of bed. Right, uh-huh. gets back home, knocks on the door. He does not know what he's going to tell his wife that he's been gone for a month. And so, yeah. what does he do? Boom! The door opens. She looks up at him with her like loving eyes, but also terrified and somewhat angry and somewhat scared, and it's just a mix of emotions. And he looks down at her, takes a moment, and goes, "Well, why didn't you pay the ransom?" Oh my god! <laughs> That's what he reminds me That's of. Totally what he reminds me of. That's exactly that's what he should have said. Yeah, that would have been the smarter one. He's yeah. a professional. He's and an then actor. Just, like, he gesture towards the archery sales guy. <laughs> exactly. like, he's trying to... Yeah. So um, another old neighbor of his said, quote, Larry wanted to be a high liver and a swinger, but the wife and kids and all the debts cramped his style. Maybe he just packed up and took off. So, you know, I, I think that's I the think truth. That's pretty much yeah. the old neighbors got it. Uh, Bader kept his job with the TV station. And he began sending half of his paycheck to Mary Lou. Mm -hmm. Uh, Despite his marriage to Zimmer becoming null and void, she stayed and said she would stay with him no matter what. All right. Ride or die. Did Mary Uh, Lou's husband stay? Do we know? I don't know. Eventually, the TV station fired him and he got a new job working as a bartender again. So he passed away at the age of 39. Whoa. On September 16th, 1966. Huh. Well, his tumor resurfaced, but this time in his liver. Oh. So he had a short time. He used every moment of oh, it. Oh, yeah. He he squeezed out all the life he yeah. could. Johnson, you know, he Bader refused to go, in, to go back to being addressed as Bader. Mm-hmm. He wanted to always be Johnson. He was open and frank when speaking about the events that occurred um, surrounding this revelation of being someone else. But he absolutely refused to even make an attempt to recall his past life. He said, quote, I'm very sorry, but my doctors have warned me not to try and figure it out by myself. They say it might hurt me. Wow. So, like, it would cause, like, a, a psychic schism or something? Yeah, but isn't that a great doctor's note to yeah, get out totally. of telling the truth? Yeah, I, I don't I mean, I haven't, I'm so on the fence. Like, could it be that his mind actually, you know, did, you know, like, uh, if you go through enough trauma, you'll have, like, these periods of people that can not remember mm-hmm. things. Like, yep. your, your brain will literally forget a thing to protect you. So, like, psychologically, mm-hmm. he's 
Correct. That we know that that occurs. Do you think that living in, you know, in Ohio was so bad for him that it was that they reached the level of trauma so that way he could actually, as a married man, have like a blackout, create a new life for himself, go do that and then erase his entire past just to protect himself? I, I find know, that there's to, a lot of planning that tests my my ability to believe that what the mind can forget. True, true, because. He had to keep the—he went and paid the life insurance. All this stuff is so willful. You got four kids and your milk delivery gets cut off, but you pay life insurance. That's what I'm saying. And then you go and you rent a boat and everyone's telling you no, no, no. Exactly. Everybody. And then also, like, the whole thing with the the suitcase and then the no, no, no. Those two things together, it's like, man, come on. Yeah, he's not— Just cut. I mean, I don't buy it, I want him to be who he is. I want him to have his life in Omaha. I want him to go be free-willing, pillow-loving Larry. But at the same time, like, you got four kids, man. You got to, like, handle your business, too. Exactly. So uh, what's your ridiculous takeaway? Was that your ridiculous takeaway? Oh, my ridiculous takeaway. I had no idea how swinging Omaha was in the 50s. I know. I, like, if you would have a gun to my head, Zarin, uh, can you imagine <laughs> this party in Omaha? I'd be like, I, I guess you're ventilating my head. No, I can't imagine that. <laughs> It's I, I. It was shocking. I do honestly. I, I, I'm happy for them. The parties that you see, like in like you know, like the fictitious like New York of the 50s in mm-hmm. movies, like that they would try to capture these bon vivant kind of parties. Yeah, that's why I mentioned the whole Irish poet. Like, do you have best friends or Irish poets? I've right. seen these scenes play out in these movies. Yeah. I just never had them in Omaha. God bless. And that they were real. <laughs> uh, that's it for today. That was great. Thank uh, you. I'm gonna go eat a whole chicken. Uh, <laughs> you can find us online at ridiculouscrime.com. Uh, we're also at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. You can download the iHeart app and leave a talk back. Reach out, baby. Uh, tune in next time, my rude dudes. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by Omaha's favorite drive time radio personality, Dave Kustin. Research is by host of MTV 8's Pimp My Hearse, Marissa Brown, and 1958's Archer of the Year, Andrea Song Charpentier. The theme song is by opening shift bartender Thomas Lee and wizened Lake Erie lighthouse keeper Travis Dutton. Executive producers are John Johnson, Ben Bolin, John Johnson, John Johnson, Noel Brown, and John Johnson. Ridiculous crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.